following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how you can join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org. My name is Sissy. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm so glad that if you're in the room or you're joining us online, so glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. As Jason mentioned, we are in a series, we're wrapping up a series this morning that we've entitled, It's Time. And it's all about, we've been talking about this pivotal moment in the life of our church, this this future that we believe God is inviting us into, and it's time to move forward into that. Barry kicked us off a few weeks ago, and he said, it's time to dream big, to see lives transformed by the power of the gospel. And then he said, it's time to dig deeper, to go deeper, to, to go deeper in discipleship to Jesus and deeper into the scriptures. And then he shared with us that it's time to make an impact. And he told us about five key initiatives that that God has called us to be part of so that we might make an impact in our city and in our world. And then last week, Andy shared that it's time to reach out. That as those who have been rescued by Jesus, we get to point others to Jesus. We get to reach out with the love of Jesus, the power of the gospel. This morning, we're going to wrap it up. By talking about the fact that it's time to be transformed. Now I know that's a bold, lofty, audacious claim. But it's not a claim that I'm making. It's a claim, rather it's an invitation that Jesus makes. Because Jesus wants to radically transform our lives. We're in the last three months of 2021. Believe it or not, in just a few short weeks, we will be ringing in a new year. Now, some of us, probably just talking about myself, are still trying to get over 2020, but we will soon be in 2022. And a new year often brings with it some resolutions, resolutions for growth, resolutions for transformation. So maybe you want to lose some weight. So you sign up for Noom or you join Weight Watchers, or maybe you want to get in shape. So you join a gym. Or you find yourself a personal trainer. Or perhaps you want to learn a new skill. So you sign up for a master class. You spend time learning a particular skill from an expert. Cooking with Gordon Ramsay. Songwriting with Alicia Keys. Tennis with Serena Williams. You find a a guide, a coach, an expert who has done this before and who knows the way to go. Like if you wanted to learn about songwriting, you would never come to me. You would go to Alicia Keys. You find someone that has made the journey before you, who has experienced the kind of transformation that you're looking for. Like you would never go to a dentist with bad teeth. That doesn't make sense. You find someone who has undergone the the transformation, the growth that you want to see, that you want to experience. You find someone who can give you the right direction, who can guide you into that transformation. You find someone who has a vision for your future, a skinnier you, a healthier you, a more skilled you. And you never go on this journey alone. You always do it in community because you need other people who are seeking the same kind of transformation that you're after to encourage you, to support you, to help hold you accountable as you all go on this journey together. Now, 
Those are some minor examples of transformation. But how, what happens when we want transformation in our lives that, that results in greater meaning and purpose? Because we all want to re- lead rich, significant, intentional lives, don't we? We all want a vision of life that will result in greater beauty and purpose. But so often, we feel stuck. So how does that kind of transformation happen? And is that kind of transformation available to any of us? Or is it just for the super spiritual, like the, the elite Delta Force Navy SEAL kind of Christian? How does that kind of transformation happen? Well, that's the question I want to explore this morning. And to do that, I want us to take a look at a scene from the life of Jesus. It's found in Mark 1. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, grab them. Mark 1 is where we will be. And, and in this scene, we will see Jesus' invitation to discipleship. Now, if you've been here long enough, you've heard us talk about this. And here's how we say it. We say that, that Jesus' invitation is to be with him so as to become like him and then to carry on his work in the world. And so this morning, here's what I want to do in our time together. I want us to look at this passage and then I want us to take a look at Jesus' invitation to discipleship. And then I'll just close by leaving you with two applications for your lives. Okay? Mark 1, picking up at verse 14. Mark 1, 14. After John was put in prison... Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So, let's first do a little background so you understand the cultural context of Jesus' day. Discipleship isn't something that Jesus came up with. It was deeply embedded in first century Jewish culture. A disciple is a student an apprentice. And if you're a disciple, your goal was to follow your rabbi, to learn from his teaching, and to do everything that your rabbi did. To, to learn from your rabbi was to embrace his vision for life. So you would leave your job, your family, your home, and you would travel with your rabbi. You would eat with him. You would walk with him. You would spend every minute possible being with your rabbi. Because the goal of every disciple was to be with the rabbi so as to become like the rabbi and then to carry on the rabbi's work. Jesus was a rabbi. To follow Jesus was to be with Jesus so as to become like Jesus and then to carry on Jesus' work in the world. But Jesus wasn't just any ordinary rabbi. He was the son of God. He was the only perfect human that ever lived. And he shows us the best way to be human. To follow Jesus is to place your trust in Jesus' vision for life. Well, what exactly is Jesus' vision? What's the message he proclaimed? 
Here's what Mark says. He says that Jesus went into Galilee and he proclaimed the good news of God. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus proclaimed the good news. Another translation for good news is the word gospel. And Tim Keller says it like this. It's a great historical event such as a victory in war or the coronation of a new king that changed the listener's condition and required a response from the listener. It's an event that brings great joy. The message of Jesus is not advice or a set of rules to live by. The good news is that God has entered the world through the person of Jesus Christ to rescue us because we could not rescue ourselves. And now through faith in Jesus, you and I can be transformed. Other religions give advice. They say, this is how you have to live. This is what you need to do in order to be right with God. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus says that in, that in order to, to accept his invitation to discipleship, the gospel is about not what you do, but what Jesus has done for you. It's not about your performance. It's about Jesus' performance. The good news is that the kingdom of God is near. You and I were built for a perfect world where relationships with God and with one another were whole, healthy, and right. And God was the rightful king. But the biblical story is that we chose to become our own kings. That we became self-centered, self-reliant. And when our relationship with God was broken, our relationship with others was also broken. And that's what leads to so much turmoil in our world. That's what leads to wars and uh, relationship issues, to all sorts of conflict We decided that we make better kings, better queens than God. And the gospel is the message that Jesus is the true king. And that he entered our world the first time as a frail, helpless baby. And he went to the cross to die for our sins. But one day he's coming again in power to rule and reign over all the earth. And all that is broken will be restored. All that is sad will become untrue. But until that day, Jesus invites us to live under his rule and reign right here, right now. To follow Jesus is to embrace this vision, this message of good news, and to pursue three goals. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Carry on Jesus' work in the world. So let's take a look at that first goal of a disciple, be with Jesus. In Jewish tradition, students chose rabbis. Rabbis didn't choose students. Students pursued their rabbis. So at a young age, Jewish boys would go to the synagogue and they would be taught the Torah. And they would continue learning and slowly they would be weeded out. So ultimately they would be left with only the best and the brightest, the cream of the crop. The rest of the the boys would be sent home. They got left behind. And and at age 14, these, these boys that had made it through would present themselves to their rabbi. And they would come to this rabbi and they would say, I want to learn from you. I want to study from you. Will you let me be your disciple? But that's not what happens in this scene, is it? 
Jesus is the one who issues the invitation. Jesus says, come, follow me. Jesus does something here that that no other rabbi would do. He goes looking for his disciples. He goes searching for them. And these are ordinary fishermen. They're uneducated men. They're not the best and the brightest. They're not the cream of the crop. They're the guys that got sent home and said, you can't cut it, go be a fisherman. That's who they are. And, And by the way, In other passages of scripture, we see clearly that Jesus doesn't just call men. He calls women to be his disciples. There was no other rabbi in the ancient world that had female disciples. No one that is, except for Jesus. You can't have a relationship with Jesus unless he calls you. And the invitation of Jesus isn't reserved for the best and the brightest, isn't reserved for the cream of the crop, isn't just for men. It's for every single one of us. It's for ordinary men and women like you and me. And Jesus says, come follow me. Come be with me. Come embrace my vision for life. And the message of good news that I proclaim that you don't have to earn God's love and acceptance. Put your trust in me. Turn from your self-centered and come follow me live under my rule and reign and let me be your rightful king let me show you the best way to be human now this invitation is to make space to be with Jesus to follow Jesus is to slow down our lives so that we can be open to what God wants to do in us It's what Jesus called abiding. Here's what he says. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's living your life aware of God's presence. It's centering your mind on God. It's connecting with God throughout the day. Abiding in Jesus means that we make our home with him. But how exactly do you abide? How do you open yourself up to this work that God wants to do in you? You do this by practicing what we here at IBC call the five rhythms of a missionary disciple. The rhythms are scripture, prayer, church, mission, and worship. And they're ancient practices, spiritual disciplines that God uses to bring about transformation in our lives. They are gifts from God that help us follow after Jesus more intentionally. Now, it's not an exhaustive list. There are more than five disciplines. But we have chosen these fives as ways to be with Jesus. To position ourselves in a place where God can transform our lives, where we can be open to his work. The rhythms don't save us. They don't transform us, but they allow us to line ourselves up with what God wants to do in our lives. As we read scripture, as we, as we meditate on it, as we pray, as we seek to bless others, as we connect in community, and as we worship, we begin to grow in our understanding and relationship with God, and we begin to see God at work in our lives. So you will never be transformed by Jesus if you don't spend time being with Jesus. Relationship is the prerequisite for transformation. Being with Jesus is about relationship. Here's the second goal of a disciple. Become like Jesus. Dallas Willard said, 
Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Jesus cares deeply about who you're becoming. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Following Jesus is a process. Jesus says, I will do something in you. I will transform you and make you brand new. Now, here's where we have to be careful. This isn't about behavior modification. It's not about doing more or trying harder or working smarter. That's not what Jesus is after. See, the problem with behavior modification is that it starts with the end result. And what Jesus is after is the root. He's after your heart. He's he's after what he wants to transform is your heart, what you think, feel, and desire. He wants to change you at the very core of who you are. He wants to transform what you believe and what you put your trust in. He wants to reorient your heart so that you find your value, your worth, and your very identity in him. Henry Nouwen said there are five lies of identity. I am what I have. I am what I do. I am what other people say or think of me. I am nothing more than my worst moment. I am nothing less than my best moment. And Jesus is zealously after transformation in your life so that you stop believing the lies and you start believing the truth. Instead of placing your identity in what you have or what you do or what others say of you, Jesus wants you to place your identity in what he's done for you and what he says of you. And he says you are loved, accepted, forgiven, and free. You are delighted in by the God of the universe. And in this moment, no matter how much of a mess your life is, Jesus looks at you and he looks at you with love. And as you spend time being with Jesus... He begins to transform your heart. So you begin to die to your false self, which is self-centered, self-reliant. The person that believes the lies and you become more and more your true self. The person that he's always intended you to be. And the more you become your true self, the more freely you will live. Because your worth is not in your possessions or your achievements or, or acceptance of others. Instead... You're free to love others as you live out of God's love and acceptance for you. Friends, God's desire for your life, for my life, is that your inner life, my inner life, might become more and more like Jesus' inner life. Some of you are sitting here this morning, you're watching online this morning, and you feel stuck. Maybe you're stuck in a bad habit. Or you're stuck in the pain of brokenness. Maybe it's self-inflicted brokenness. Or it's brokenness that has been done to you. Perhaps it's an addiction. Or betrayal. Shattered relationship or grief from the loss of a loved one. It's pain that you just feel trapped in and you can't get out. And you've taken that pain and you've created a false story by which you now live. Steve Cuss, pastor and author, calls these false stories scripts. And he says, scripts are how we see ourselves, how we see God seeing us, and how others must be so that we can be okay. I've experienced the pain of brokenness in my life. Brokenness that has been self-inflicted that I've done. Brokenness that has been done to me. 
And I just felt stuck. In some ways, I didn't even realize how stuck I really was. And the script that I lived by, the false story that I told myself is that people couldn't be trusted and neither could God. And so I'd never let anyone get close to me because I just never wanted to be hurt again. Maybe the false story you're telling yourself, the script you're living by is that that you're never going to be good enough. And so you work for the approval of others and you work for the approval of God. Or maybe for you, it's that, that you have to wear a mask. You can never let your guard down. You can never show who you truly are because other people aren't safe and neither is God. Whatever your false story is that you're telling yourself, whatever the script that you're living by is, God wants to transform your pain and he's got a better, truer story for you. He doesn't see your pain and turn away. He comes to you and he wants to transform your pain. And he is the only one that can redeem your pain and use the most agonizing experience of your life so that you can now use it to help others and point others to him. But we have to allow him to do that. We we have to be willing to take a long, hard look at our pain. And do the difficult work of understanding it so that we could separate the truth from the lies. Transformation is a process and we don't do it on our own. We need the help of others in our community. And quite often, we need the help of a good counselor. So what I needed. I needed someone outside of myself a counselor and a community of men and women who would walk alongside me and help me make meaning from my pain so that God is transforming my life and now I can use the most painful, agonizing experience of my life to say, let me help other people. Let me point you to Jesus. And friends, if Jesus can transform me, he can transform you. If you're sitting here this morning, if you are watching online this morning and you feel stuck, I need you to hear me. God is not done with you. Jesus says, come, follow me. Put your trust in me. I want to do something in you. I see you. I love you. And I want to transform you. But will you let me? Being with Jesus is about relationship. Becoming like Jesus is about transformation. Here's the third goal of a disciple. Carrying on Jesus' work in the world. The invitation of Jesus is come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. In biblical imagery, in the Hebrew imagination, the sea was associated with death, destruction, chaos, and the kingdom of this world. Which is the kingdom focused on self. And the invitation of Jesus is that he wants to make us fishers of people. That he wants us to be people who draw others out of darkness into the light. Who draw others out of the kingdom of self into the kingdom of the sun. He wants to use us to proclaim the good news. Not of advice or a set of rules. But of a true king who has come on our behalf. And has rescued us from sin, shame, and every evil. And he's reconciled us back to the father. And he wants to transform you so that you can be an agent of transformation for him this is what jesus is after and after jesus's death his disciples are in despair they're they're living with the reality that jesus is gone and so they're they're afraid for their lives they're hiding out and then jesus shows up and he says peace be with you as the father has sent me 
I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus says, the presence of power of God that you have seen at work in me is now at work in you so that people will experience the love, forgiveness, and acceptance of God through you. These were the disciples that had denied him, disappointed him, failed him, and abandoned him. And Jesus comes to them and he says, I know where you, what you've done. I know your failures. I know where you've been. And I'm not finished with you yet. Come, follow me. I want to do something in you. I want to transform you so that you will draw people out of darkness into the marvelous light. And this invitation... Is for ordinary broken people like Peter and Andrew, James and John, people like you and me. That no matter our failures, no matter our faults, no matter how much we think we've messed up, Jesus invites you to be his disciple. My friends Serena and Jameson came to IBC about two years ago. They were newly engaged and they wanted to grow in their discipleship to Jesus. So they quickly got connected in community because they believed that in order to grow, they needed others to walk alongside them. And so they joined our young adults ministry. And as they made IBC their home, they joined a formation group. They wanted to know others and be known by others. Serena says that when she came to IBC, it was the very first time that she learned that being a disciple of Jesus was about relationship, not religion. And as they learned and practiced the rhythms, God began to transform them. And he called them to use their gifts to serve others through our rise, our special needs ministry. And as high school life group leaders, investing in the lives of young people, helping draw them to Jesus. Friends, this is what it means to be a disciple, to carry on Jesus' work in the world. It's, it's to, to use your gifts and to be a disciple right where God has planted you. The unique ways God has wired you. The goal of a disciple is being with Jesus is about relationship. Becoming like Jesus is about transformation. Carrying on Jesus' work is about living on mission. This is the invitation of Jesus. And so I want to close this morning by just leaving you with two applications, two invitations. Here's the first one. There are some of you sitting here this morning, watching online, you've never actually put your trust in Jesus. And the invitation to you is to embrace Jesus' vision for life. Jesus invites you to repent and believe the good news. Repentance is turning from your sin and turning to God. It's saying, God, your way is better. I want to take myself off the throne of my life and I want to put you back as the rightful king. So the invitation to you is to put your trust in Jesus, to be his disciple. You can do that by talking to God right where you are. But for others of you, the invitation is to deeper discipleship, commitment, and relationship to Jesus. Because Jesus is always taking us to places of greater trust. So what's that step of trust that he's calling you to take so that he could transform you? Maybe it means that you need to make a commitment to focus on one of the rhythms so you could spend time being with Jesus. Perhaps it's spending time in scripture so that you could hear from him. Or maybe it's using your gifts so that you could serve him. 
Or maybe it just means making commitment to show up here every Sunday morning for worship. What's the next step of trust that Jesus is calling you to take so he can transform you? That's the first invitation. Here's the second one. Jesus' call to discipleship is always a call to community. Transformation happens in community because we need others to help us be aware of God's presence and leading in our lives. We need companions to walk alongside us and, and to help together to pursue the life of a missionary disciple. A few weeks ago, I got to uh, visit with the formation group at one of their gatherings, and I was just so encouraged by them because here's what they were doing. They were, were talking about what it means to be a missionary disciple in the places, in their everyday ordinary lives, in, in relationships that are difficult with family members and coworkers. And they were pointing each other to Jesus and encouraging each other to trust and follow after him. And friends, we all need that kind of community. And so if you call IBC home, We believe your next best step in your discipleship to Jesus is to join a formation group. In a formation group, this is our expression of small groups here at IBC. And it's where you learn and practice the rhythms, where you you discover and live out your God-given purpose with the support of authentic community. We launch formation groups every two months, but we're actually launching our next set of groups this week on Wednesday nights beginning Wednesday, October 13th. I want to invite you, come be part of that. But maybe you're here, and maybe you're new to IBC, you're just not sure about that. That's okay. The invitation to you is to connect in community through one of our mid-sized groups. We have men's, women's, young adult Bible communities. Maybe you need the support of a hope and healing group. Last week, Lindsay Crowley stood on this stage and she shared how a hope and healing group played such a significant role in God transforming her pain and her life. The invitation is if you're not in community to join one, but maybe you already are. And so the invitation to you is to take a step towards greater commitment and greater vulnerability. Maybe for you, it means that you're going to decide you're going to show up every week to that group. Or maybe it means that you're going to show up and you're going to bring your real self. You're going to stop hiding and you're going to tell people who you really are. Because that's the way we grow together as missionary disciples of Jesus. The invitation is to connect in community. If you're interested in that, you can go out the back doors in Town Square right after this service. A member of each one of our adult ministry teams, our discipleship teams, they're out there. They'd love to have a conversation with you and help you get connected here. The invitation of Jesus is to be his disciple, to embrace his vision for life. Discipleship to Jesus is about relationship, transformation, and living on mission. And he invites you to proclaim the good news, to demonstrate the gospel by partnering with him in kingdom work. He wants to transform you so that you can be an agent of transformation for him. This is the invitation of Jesus. So this morning we come to the table to remember and to celebrate that good news, the the gospel that Jesus Christ proclaimed with his very life. We rebelled and we chose a life of sin and self-centeredness. 
And Jesus came to redeem us and rescue us because we could not rescue ourselves. So that now we are accepted by God, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And Jesus is not only a rabbi who calls us to follow him, but he's a savior who lays down his life for us. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how to join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org.